Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And I am super excited to have sober coach Chris on today. Um, He is going to be talking about his journey with alcohol and how he coaches patients away from alcohol. Many times on this podcast, you have heard Janet and I discuss how alcohol is a poison. That is just truth. Um, Even in moderation, yes, alcohol is a poison. Our body has to detoxify it as a poison. Alcohol can kill us, and not just slowly, but fast also. So we're going to be talking about some of the dangers of alcohol and being a, a recovering alcoholic himself and a coach, Chris is going to talk to us about how you can get away from alcohol and the benefits of getting away from alcohol. So without further ado, Chris, welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. And if anybody is wondering if Chris has a radio voice, um, it's true. He does. And when I first heard him speak, it's like, hey, Chris, you've got a radio voice. He's like, well, I did radio for 25 years. So don't be surprised. <laughs> so this conversation is going to be re- flow really well because Chris has done, done radio. So I'm going to let him do most of the talking today. So Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background um, with alcohol, your personal background? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I was in radio. I mean, that was basically my identity since I was five. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be on the radio. It's going to be so cool. And so I, you know, I pursued it. I did it and I loved it at the beginning. And then somewhere along the way, I kind of lost my passion for it. And uh, that looking back on it now was a big part of why I started drinking as heavily as I did, because I wasn't feeling connected to what I was doing on a daily basis. And so I was in the comfort zone, you know, just I, I had a, a really good job. It was fun. And I had everything on paper looked like it was all working out. But on the inside, I was unhappy. And so this is what kept me uh, kind of in that comfort zone uh, and, and drinking heavier and heavier. So I basically was drinking very heavy for, I would say, about 15 years. And, you know, in the last four or five of those years, I would try to quit and I would read, as they call it, um, quit lit books. You know, there's a lot of really good books out there about stopping drinking and all this stuff. And I'd get all fired up and I would I would stop for a little bit or I would do like a dry January and all this kind of stuff. And I found myself like kind of white knuckling it through the, the whole thing and like waiting for day 31 when I could go back to drinking. Um, and what I was realizing was I wasn't quite ready to quit. That was the biggest hurdle. And I actually just did a video on TikTok about this exact subject. It's like many people want to quit because we go through this cycle of waking up in the morning feeling like garbage and going, I'm never going to do this again. And something happens throughout the day where it's like, okay, I'm starting to think about it again. Five, six o'clock rolls around and we're right back into it. It's just a vicious, vicious cycle. And so, you know, I would try to quit. I'd go for a little bit and feel really good. But then I just was like, ah, I would go back to it. And I couldn't understand why. Um, and it wasn't until I, the universe kind of forced me to look at my life and go, all right, if, if I want to get to where I really want to get to, if I want to get the life that I know I'm meant for and where I want to be, alcohol just can no longer be a part of it. And so there's a bunch of stuff that I had to do, but really a switch flipped in me. And I just said, I'm a non-drinker from this moment on. I, I'm not going to track my days anymore and 
see how many days I can go without drinking this time. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say from this moment on, I'm a non-drinker. And so that's really what worked for me. And there's a lot of stuff that I did uh, alongside of it when I helped my, my clients do, but that's kind of the gist of it. Okay. So what, what was, was there a, a moment that an aha moment that finally you said, okay, what was the moment that flipped your switch? There was a lot. Uh, when my daughter, I, she was four at the time, she started uh, saying things like, Daddy, we got to go to the beer store. We're out of beer. Or, Daddy, you want me to bring you another drink? And she, you know, she drew a picture of me sitting on the couch with a drink in my hand watching TV. And that's how she saw me. And that was the biggest thing because I both of my parents died when I was young and they were very young. I was 19 and they died 41 days apart from each other. You know, my mom was 49. My dad was 54. And I just got to thinking, I have a daughter now. And why am I doing this? If I can prevent myself from dying at a young age and leaving her without her dad, because I know how painful it is, why would I not do something about it? And that was the, the threshold moment for me, I would say, that made me go, all right, I got to do something about this. So, Janet, what, what kind of questions did you have for Chris? So, Chris, I'm assuming it's not just your daughter and your relationship that it was affecting. Tell us how it was affecting people around you and your relationships. Yeah, so the interesting thing is nobody outside of my wife would have ever even known that I drank as much as I did. Um, it was one of those situations where I suffered in silence for many years, and most people do, because of the fact that we see it everywhere. In our society, alcohol is glamorized, and we don't want to be the, the odd ones out. So we just kind of go, I must be the weird one here that's struggling with this. I got to figure out how to do it on my own. So I mean, none of my coworkers, uh, the listeners, you know, when I worked in radio, I, other than maybe a few embarrassing times when I may have said some drunken things, probably would have had no clue that I was drinking the way that I was. I mean, I would drink enough to pass out on my couch and, and basically blackout almost on a nightly basis. So I was drinking like a, at least a 12-pack of beer, and then I would make sure that I would have to have some vodka or something else in the house to knock me out in case the, the 12 beers didn't do the trick. Cause I got to the point where I just didn't think I could fall asleep without alcohol. I, I had built up all these lies uh, after years and years of drinking that I had believed that I needed alcohol. And, you know, I would tell my wife many times, like, this is it. I, I got to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to stop. And I would quit for a little bit and I'd go back. And it's not like my wife, I mean, she was a drinker too. She wasn't drinking as much as I did. Um, but she, you know, it's kind of like at, at some point you have to kind of just do it. You can't keep talking about it because people are tired of hearing about it. And so not only did it impact me and my daughter and her, I mean, she also now, uh, she saw the benefits that I was experiencing without alcohol and she decided to quit too. And she just hit her one year mark on September 1st. So here we are both sober now, both completely in a different place than we were. If you would have asked us two years ago if we'd be sober and loving it, I would have said, you're crazy. But it's just, it's one of those things where until you do it, until you get far enough away from alcohol, you can't really describe to people how amazing it is and how many different areas of your right. life it's affecting. Yeah, so, so tell us your, your, 
your wife stopped drinking. You didn't do it together at first, but she saw the benefits of, of you stopped drinking. So tell us when you see, is it imperative that if one of the spouses stops drinking, is it imperative that the other spouse stops drinking? No, absolutely not. Tell, that's, tell us about that. Yeah, I think that's where a big problem comes in. Because at first I was, I said to my wife, I said, let's do this. We're going to quit drinking together. We're going to change everything. And then, you know, I could see in her face that she wasn't really ready. And I was like, you know what? This is my journey. And I don't, she doesn't have the problem like I do. And I, I had to just say, it's kind of like walking a tightrope. Somebody can come behind you or they can go in front of you, but there's not enough room to go at the same time. If you want to quit drinking, you really have to make it about yourself because there are going to be many situations where you live with somebody and they continue to drink. Now, you know, you can have, you can talk to them and, and explain to them how you want to be supported. Like, Hey, for the first couple of weeks or months, or whatever, I'm, I'm going to need you to not have alcohol in the house or however you want to set up those boundaries and, and that kind of stuff. But it's a big problem. I think when we expect a partner to be on this journey with us. So it always, that's one thing people really, really have to remember is like, this has to be about us and you can never force somebody to do anything that they don't want to do. That's right. That's right. I mean, same, we, we talk a lot about just health and wellness in general on this podcast. It goes the same way for weight loss. It's got to be your own journey and you can't make your spouse or your kids lose weight. But kind of like your experience, when people start seeing the benefits of what you did, um, it's inspiring. And, and, you know, many, some or many will follow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it really is amazing um, what kind of impact it can have. You know, I, like I said a little while ago, nobody really knew that I had a, a drinking problem. And so the first time that I kind of said something about it on social media, I was scared to death. I didn't want people to know that I had struggled with this, you know? Um, but what was amazing was as soon as I started talking about it, the amount of people that came out of the woodwork, you know, messaging yeah. me saying, oh my God, thank you for for talking about this because I've struggled. And, you know, I, I don't know anybody else that's just openly talking about this. So it gave me this kind of like, okay, there's a need for this. Like there's people that need to be inspired by others and people that need to know it's okay. They're not alone in this. So many people struggle with alcohol, but nobody's really talking about it. And so um, that is the number one thing that I love about what I do is when people and strangers too will message me and say, hey, I've been following you for a while and your content really inspired me to quit drinking. I just had a message from somebody who is 100 days sober because they watched one of my TikTok videos and that makes me feel so great. You know, it's like, I, I love that. And, and if, if, you know, if, if you're watching this and you quit, you know, I, I never want to like preach at anybody. Right. But if you can inspire somebody by what you've done, I mean, it can have a ripple effect. It's amazing. Absolutely. Janet. Okay. So sometimes there's, there's two sides to this. You have a psychological part of the addiction and then you have a physical part. So walk us through how you got through both of those things. Because for some people, it can be, you know, one can be more dominant than the other because there's always something that's pulling you back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that something is, you know, until you make that decision that you really want 
to have an alcohol-free life. And you're going to be committed. You're going to go all in. It's going to be your number one priority. It's kind of like when you first start dating somebody, your whole focus goes on that person because you that's that's what you're this top of mind. That is what you're going to make work. Your focus is on. Or if you apply for your dream job, you're not just going to kind of sort of do it. You're going to put everything and all your effort into it. So that is that, like that's the number one key is really going all in on yourself. Really, uh, you know, asking yourself, why do I want to do this? What has alcohol done to me? Like getting really super honest uh, with yourself and holding yourself a hundred percent accountable. I think that's that's the big thing, you know. I, I was trying to blame everything and everybody for why I was in my situation. And until you kind of come to that realization, like, look, it's not my fault that I got here, right? Because alcohol is so addictive. It's the second most addictive substance in the world. It's It stands to reason. You drink it long enough, a lot of people are going to get addicted to it. So it's not it's not your fault that you're in this place, but it is absolutely your responsibility to do something. And I heard Craig Beck, who's the author of Alcohol Lied to Me, wonderful author. Um, I heard him say that and it, that clicked for me. And when I was able to take that responsibility in my mind is when the shift kind of happened. Uh, and I said, you know, it's up, it's because of me that I'm where I'm at, both everything that's good and bad in my life. But it's also exciting because it's up to me to to how I'm going to take care of this. Nobody's coming to save me. There's nothing out there that's going to make me do this. And there's programs and, and stuff like that out there that believe in, in this kind of other way of doing it. But I really believe once you you admit to yourself, like, this is this is my job to do something about this, it gives you the power back. And then you can begin to take the steps necessary to to work on it. So tell us, thank you, Chris. That was very enlightening. Um, and tell us how you deal with, you go out to dinner with somebody that doesn't necessarily know you yet and they don't know you don't drink and you pass up drinks or say, I don't drink. And then they give you the questions like, oh, what? Why don't you, why do you not drink? I mean, alcohol is the only drug that hmm. people will question you why you don't partake in it, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, people it's, won't do that with cigarettes. Even. Nicot- <laughs> no, nicotine's no. legal too. They won't ask you why no. you don't smoke because they know why you don't smoke. But with alcohol, it's yeah. like, oh, why don't you drink? So tell us how you deal with stuff like that. Yeah, and I used to be that guy. I, I remember when people would tell me they're not, they're not a drinker. And I'm like, what? How does <laughs> right. that even, how is that even possible? I, I was flabbergasted. Right. Um, and so what I will say is that I, I don't. I try not to make a big deal out of it. Like if I don't know the person that well, I'll just order whatever I order, and I'll just be like, you know, I won't. I won't say I'm. I'm a not drinker or a non-drinker unless they kind of pry and they ask. I'll just be like, no, I'm good. I'll just have a, a water or whatever I'm. I'm drinking. Um, and, and that is that's a big thing that weighs on people when they think about quitting drinking. Well, what am I going to say? What about when people ask? And it, you don't have to get into this whole big deal. You know, I there's no reason to go down that road. You know, if somebody wants to pry, you can kind of explain like whatever, but you know, a lot of people will come up with excuses and like, okay, well, I'm on antibiotics or they'll make up a lie. And then it's like, well, what if you see that person again, you got to kind of keep up the lie. Like, I just don't recommend doing that. Keep it as brief as possible and just be like, no, I'm good. And if they pry, just say, I'm, I'm driving tonight or just something along those lines where it doesn't, um, invite a lot of questions. And then most people will kind of move on. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think some people make too big a deal out of it. And usually when you tell say no, sometimes I, we've even had it happen where we say no and you know the people that are with us say no too. So you got to think mm-hmm. they were probably thinking the same thing. Honestly, it's like, well, what are they going to order? You know, and um, so what do you? How do you deal with what if somebody was a big drinker and their friends were all big drinkers? So how do you deal with that? And they're not going to stop drinking. Do your friends need to change? Your friends don't need to change. And again, that's where it comes down to the whole preaching and and this. It has to be your journey. But what will happen is if you if all of your friends are your drinking buddies and, and you're just used to going out and drinking together, you will have people that will want you to keep drinking that will say things like, ah, oh, come on, you can just have one. And they, you know, there'll be all sorts of that stuff. So um, there's a couple of different ways you can uh, just tell these friends. I say it like that because a lot of the, if they're just drinking buddies, they're probably not that good of friends. You'll find out when you go on this journey who your real friends are, and this can actually be a gift. Um, you know, you may you may have to like completely change your life for a little while. You may have to just tell your friends, "I'm not I'm not coming out for the next couple of months," and here's why. And if if your friends aren't supportive in in you trying to better yourself and wanting to make improvements for yourself and they give you a bunch of crap about it, then they're probably not a really good friend. You know, we want our friends to, we want to be able to be honest with, with our friends. And what happens is if, if they're just your drinking buddies and you stop drinking, it means to them, like you're elevating yourself. It reminds them, it's like putting the mirror at them and having them have to go and question their own drinking. And they don't want to do that, you know? Um, so they can either do one of two things. They can build you up and go, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. Or they can try to drag you back down so that you're back with them. And this happens. I know somebody who lost 100 pounds. She quit drinking. She started eating healthy. She went to the gym. She turned her whole life around. And her best friend was like, I don't like you anymore. I don't. I miss the old you. Uh, this is, uh, I'm depressed. I'm sad because you're not you anymore. Uh, you know, I miss going to the bar, watching hockey games, eating pizza and, and drinking. And so this person fell to the peer pressure of her friend, went back to doing her, her old life, wow. went back to drinking, gained the hundred pounds back and is right back to where she was before all because one person you know, said that. So uh, we need to evaluate our friends in our environment that we are in. And this is what keeps many people drinking for a lot longer because they just don't realize that all the people that we're hanging out with, all we're doing is going to the bar and getting drunk all the time. And, you know, at some point you got to make the decision that if that's, those are the kind of people that are going to be in your life and you want to make a positive change and they don't want to, well, you may have to move on from those people and be okay with it. Because like I said before, it can be a gift. Janet. Okay. So, you know, in light of what you're saying, there must be something you did in your life to, to you know, replace that time because there's something different that's going to fill that void. So what what is filling your void today and how do you, you know, keep that going? For me, I had to rediscover who I was before I started drinking. And that was a passionate person, an entrepreneur, uh, somebody who is excited about what he's doing every day and somebody who's making a difference in people's lives. You know, that that's, again, part of the reason why I was so unhappy in radio 
uh, because it wasn't the days when we got to meet celebrities or go to concerts and all that. I didn't really care about that. I loved when we would raise like over a million dollars for St. Jude Children's Hospital doing a radiothon or when I, you know, give somebody who's never been backstage before my backstage pass to go meet their favorite artist. Like those kinds of things always resonated with me uh, and seeing people have have a, a transformation in their life going from stuck to like, oh, my God, I've I discovered I can be this person. I want to be. That's what lights me up. And so for me, it was starting this business and and turning what was my biggest weakness into a strength uh, in, in inspiring others, coaching others, and just getting the message out there about this whole thing. So uh, I love working now. It's not like work for me. I can work all day and, and not feel like I'm working. You know, because I'm connecting with people and that brings me joy. So that was for me what I needed to do was kind of reconnect with these parts of me. But yeah, when somebody gets newly sober, I always recommend burying yourself into projects. Whether these are projects you want to do or they're fun or not, fill your calendar up, have a plan with what you're going to do um, and just start checking off the list of things. You know, if you've been avoiding like cleaning the garage, go clean the garage. You know, just keep yourself busy with projects and find out what it is that's going to light you up, you know, because a lot of the times what happens is people quit drinking and they're, they're just so focused on what they're giving up in this old life. If you right. can get rid of that and be okay with shedding that part of you and get really excited about where you're going, get really grateful about how you're going to feel and all the energy you're going to have, like fall in love with sobriety and have something on the other end of that teeter totter to make it worthwhile. That is what's going to help you really get through this thing and and, and thrive. Because, you know, it, it's not just about forcing yourself to stay sober. It's about figuring out what do you want to do with your life and what can that look like if you get alcohol out of there? Well, I mean, just think about, and I'm, I'm sure you go into this with your clients and we'll go into more of your business later, but um, think about all, I think about some of the things that Janet and I do. We, we, we love to ride our bikes um, and I, you know, you can't do that unless you're sober, not very well anyway, and yeah. it would be very dangerous. Um, so, you know, and just some of the other sports and activities that we, that we do that there's just no way if we were drunk all the time that we, we could in partake in those activities. So instead of looking like the things that we can't enjoy, look at the things we can enjoy because we're you know, we're not addicted to alcohol. That's really, that's really the way, the way sometimes I look at it. And I'll, it, it, it's, it's ubiquitous. Alcohol is ubiquitous, whether we like that or not. It's just true. So we have to learn how to, um, you know, how to educate and empower people about it. Yeah. One of the big things that I work with my clients on is really shifting the way that you look at alcohol, like peeking behind the curtain to see it for what it really is. Because a lot of the times when we're drinking, we put blinders on to these things. Just like we put blinders on to how much money we're spending on it, we put blinders on to what it actually is and what it's doing to us. Because if we, if we really pull at that thread, it's harder to keep doing it. So I help my clients uh, look behind the curtain. It's kind of like when you see a magic show, right? And you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing how that's done. You're blown away. But then when you see how it's done, it loses its luster. It's that's <laughs> right. you're not blown away anymore. <laughs> right. and, you know, you can't you can't continue to keep doing it because so many of us put alcohol on this pedestal. And so I help people take it off the pedestal, see it for what it really is, for what it's really doing. You know, for instance, uh, it kills over three million people worldwide every year. And I had no idea about that. Wow. You know, in in comparison, 
heroin kills about 90 to 100,000 people worldwide every year. You think yep. about that, um, you know, and, and, and we have a, most people have a, a certain view about other drugs that we, that's why we don't do it. But with alcohol, it's everywhere. It's, it's glamorized. It's, it's glamorized. It's, yeah. it's on the Super Bowl. It's, you know, it's, yeah. you can't walk down the street without going by a bar or a liquor store, social media. Oh, it's, it's mommy needs some wine to help her get through. It's like, it's just, you're bombarded with these messages our whole life, not to mention, it's passed down from generation to generation. We see our parents doing it. Their parents did it. And so there's this big cognitive dissonance that comes into it. Like, it's like, you know, most of us know deep down that alcohol is bad. We know that it's probably doing harm to us. We know it's costing us a lot of money. We know it's ruining relationships and damaging our skin, messing with our sleep, all this kind of stuff. But until we really dig into it, and and do the research and, and find that out. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to to stay away from it. So, tell us about your coaching business. Um, you've you've been doing it for how long? And tell us kind of what it entails. How does somebody get a hold of you? And how does that process work? Yeah. So, you know, I started coaching people a little over a year ago after I got out of the radio industry, and you know, needed to pivot. You know, that was another thing. I decided I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to work with people before I even knew I was going to work around people around, you know, people with alcohol dependency. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. And so it came to, well, what am I passionate about? Well, alcohol. Like I, if I could help people get to the other side of this thing, um, that that's what lights me up the most. And so I started doing that um, a little over a year ago. And you know, I work one-on-one -on -one with people virtually over Zoom. You know, we have modules, we have exercises. Basically, it consists of getting clarity, right? So we need to figure out how we got here, how we got into this alcohol loop, why we're drinking the way we are, get to the underlying issues so that we don't just put a Band-Aid on it. We don't want to just force you to stay away from drinking. We want to be able to go, all right, what, what's causing this? What can we do to fix it? And where are we going? And then, you know, another part of it is uh, the awareness. As we were just talking about, I help people um, see alcohol for what it is, what it's doing to you. Uh, and then a big part of it too is the subconscious because, 95% of us is is our subconscious programming that's going on. You know, we got 5% consciousness and 95% subconscious. So just trying to quit by using willpower, saying, ah, I'm going to stop drinking. It's got a 5% success rate. It's the same reason why so many diets don't work, because you try to force yourself to stay away from something, it's not going to work. So I help with people in a subconscious level to break up some of these anchors that are going on there, right? Because got years and in some cases decades of of bad programming that are going on saying, oh, I'm stressed, that equals drink. Oh, I want to relax, that equals drink. Oh, we're going to celebrate, that equals drink. Like yeah. all these programs that are going on. And so we go in there and we break those up and we unlearn a lot of things. Um, and so that's kind of the gist of how I work with people uh, and, and what I do with them. And so what is the best way to get a hold of you as we wrap this up, Chris? Yeah, the best way is uh, to go to my website, which is SoberCoachChris.com. And if you want to have a consultation, it's a 30-minute consultation, which is free. We'll get to know each other better, see if we'd be a good fit. Um, there is right at the top, it'll say ready for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Click that, and it'll have you fill out a questionnaire so I can get to know your situation a little bit better, and then I can be in touch with you from there. That's probably the best way. Otherwise, on TikTok, Instagram, 
Facebook. You can find me with the handle at Sober Coach Chris. Uh, and I have a Facebook group that's called Freedom from Alcohol. It's a wonderful community of others in there that are going through the same thing. Um, that can be really helpful and supportive if you're trying to either get alcohol out of your life or just questioning your relationship with it. Maybe you just want to take a break. You know, so that's the thing. There's no judgment. Everybody's a little bit different. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's your journey and, and I'm here to help you. So I might put you on the spot, Chris. So, but you said nothing was off the table. So, yeah. um, if there's, there's multiple reasons using everybody's different is what I'm, is what I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say, but if there's one big reason to why somebody should stop drinking, what would you say that would be? There's so many that I don't want to say the wrong one. Right, um, and I get it. Leave one out. Here, here's for me what it, what I've taken away the most that I wish I would have known uh, earlier is that without alcohol, you get to enjoy life's little moments. Uh, you really get a, a certain peace and contentment, and it's like a weight is being lifted off of your shoulders. Um, when I was drinking, unless I had a drink in my hand, I was kind of annoyed and irritated. Now, um, I am able to enjoy the little things in life. With my daughter, when we're putting her to bed at night, instead of before when I, we would just rush through story time so we could go back to drinking, now we enjoy it. We, we do character voices. We, we laugh. We are in the moment, and you're able to enjoy these little things where alcohol steals that from you. And, you know, when you quit drinking, the really good news is you can get your health back. You know, for the most part, you can get a lot of your health back. You can get your money back. You can make more money, but you can never get that time back. And so if you want your time back, if you want to be with, you know, present with the ones you love and enjoy your life every day, alcohol, getting it out of there is going to help you do that so much, so much more. I love it. Thank you so much, Chris. You've really helped us realize our goal at Health Solutions, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So, Chris, I so appreciate your time today. Um, we'll be in touch and possibly have you on again. All right. Thank you guys so much. This has been, this has been great. Awesome. So thank you, listeners and viewers, to tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday, our midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You don't want to miss out. Thank you again, Chris. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.